We welcome you if you're a visitor here and you are welcome to join us in the cafe after the service. Get a free coffee. If this is your first time here, just tell the guys and they'll help you out. Well, I hope you had a great week this week. Um, we had a great night on Wednesday night. We, um, we came and obviously worshipped and then we spent some time praying in groups and just praying over the region. And there's something that happens when we uh, get together and we remind ourselves the power of prayer. And uh, for me, that's what um, outpourings are quite special because we can take time out. We can do some things that we can't always, haven't got time to do on a Sunday morning and we can uh, sort of separate ourselves for a time for prayer and worship. And, um, and so I encourage you, next time we're thinking of doing um, a... Uh, we're going to show a clip, I think, from James Gold, which we did on Wednesday night, not live, but a clip um, on the youth awakening, which, which he's felt and a lot of people have felt. But it actually coincides in a bit of this season with even um, what God is doing. Um, it's going to be the 110th anniversary of the Azusa Street outpouring in 1906 in Los Angeles, obviously the beginning of the Pentecostal church, which has now birthed some 400 million believers in 110 years. Uh, More salvations in 110 years in one movement than any other prior. And so um, it's significant. We're part of that. And um, we're, we're just throwing around a few ideas of how we might uh, the the call, uh, Lou Engel, who's the um, the pray, prayer warrior man who rocks like this when he prays, um, he's a real intercessor. And so he's leading, he's hired a 100,000 seat auditorium in Los Angeles and he's gathering 100,000 believers to be praying and fasting all for 24 hours, I believe, on the anniversary of the 110th anniversary of the outpouring in Los Angeles. So he's really feeling that this is quite significant for Los Angeles and for the world and for a a movement. It's not just about young people, but obviously the young people are those that he has a lot of influence gathering. He gathered nearly half a million in Washington, I think, some 10 years ago. And and so, um, you know, something's something's stirring and sometimes we have to activate ourselves to be stirred. Sometimes it doesn't just happen sovereignly that we we get an awakening. Sometimes we have to begin that. And for me, that's what our outpouring nights are. It's a night where we stir in the spirit. We stir our spirits and just pray and ask the Lord for our region. And um, anyway, so um, yeah, we're just sort of thinking and praying into this. But next outpouring, we will uh, probably have... Uh, a focus will uh, invite the youth and young adults and young people to come to that night and for it to be a special night of intercession and release uh, for our region. It's not just for young people, but who knows, in this, in this season, our young generation really need the gospel. And um, this region, they really need the gospel because they are facing some serious confusion out there. And, um, and so we really need to stand with them, pray with them, believe with them, help them, and, uh, and really ignite this generation for Jesus. And so that's what we want to do next, outpouring. And um, 
James Gold has sort of gone back into his youth with his whole hipster outfits. So, you know, he's really believing for the whole youth thing. Anyway, so it's exciting what God's doing all over the earth. You know, there's worship conferences and concerts going on all the time, gathering tens of thousands of believers from every stream, every color, and every nation. And you can see it on YouTube, on the internet, just mass loads of Christians gathering and worshiping, worshiping, worshiping. And, and, um, and so it's exciting what God's doing. And we need to remind ourselves of that because if all we feed ourselves on, well, the government's not doing this and that, this group doesn't like us and this group, then we feed ourselves with fear. And when we feed ourselves with fear, it's very difficult to stand in faith because fear is the opposite to faith. And so I find after I've had a certain amount of listening to all the things that are going on, you know, the political scene and economic scene and this sort of scene, which seems to be quite anti-God, anti-Christ, even in our schooling system, most of you heard about an undercurrent of demonic activity in the schooling system with the Safe Schools program. And so we can hear that stuff and, and, uh, and we can become fearful, but we, that's why we want to gather and pray, because God can bring about the change. And, uh, and so we, I just want to remind us that that's the importance of our outpouring nights. That's the importance of being prayers and understanding what the kingdom is really about. Because we have the authority. The enemy doesn't have the authority. We do. But we need to activate our authority sometimes. If a king never decrees anything, then his authority is never released. And so we need to decree that authority, stand in that, pray into that, so that our region is shaken again for Jesus. And, um, and so, you know, we're, we're thinking about maybe doing a stream, uh, if we can, to the Azusa call, but it happens at a, at a really funny time for us because uh, it's, on t- it's going to be on God TV, but we could beam it in, uh, but it means we have to be here all Saturday night. So who knows, maybe we do that Saturday night straight into a Sunday morning service, I don't know. Uh, if you're hungry enough, you know, if enough of you let me know, then who knows, we, we can do it. But um, yeah, so... I like hearing that sort of stuff just to, just to know that God is in control and, um, and that we don't have to worry or be fearful, but we have to be wise and we have to know what's going on, but all above all, stand in faith and stand together. And um, today I want to talk about spirit, soul, and body. And this might seem like it's a real tangent from what I was just sharing, but actually I believe it goes together because um, for me, you know, we've been in roughly in revival movement for 22 years, I think it is, if, if you map it out. And even before that, very open to the spirit, charismatic movement, etc., etc. But really from Toronto outpouring, significant move in this church, uh, you know, 94 uh, and the same time for, for us here. That's 22 years. And um, this is really quite, quite significant. But one thing that we've noticed is that it's really really important that even as a body, as a group of believers, but individually, that we recognize that a move of God is generally a move of the Spirit of God, and it has an effect on us. It is to revive us, to encourage us, to awaken us, to stir us, to release um, new gifting and fresh gifting. But if we are to carry that on into the next generation, this is something that not many movements have been able to do. 
And so that's why I think God's awakening the whole concept of believers actually being awakened to living out lives that are, are, are healthy and we're fit and we are aware of being well and wellness and, and health and vitality and nutrition. And, and so you can, see, you can see in the body of Christ all over the world, there's a new awareness in the last decade of believers not just being amazing at doing church and putting on church services and, and worshipping and fasting and praying, but also being able to steward the temple of the Holy Spirit quite well as well. And you'll see this. A lot of people are talking about this. And I mean, David Herzog's book, which we had here, uh, was it called Reboot, Reawaken? What, what was that book called? Karen? David Herzog's book. You know, the main book. Oh, many of you bought it, so you haven't got good memory. What? No, you can't remember. Okay. Anyway, he talks about in it, uh, about all the different, I can't believe we sold like 20 or 30 copies. We must have sold them to different people. But any, it's on the tip of your tongue. Hey? Yeah. David Herzog. Yeah, the health one. Jumpstart. Thank you, Jesus. All right. <laughs> he wrote a book called Jumpstart. And uh, that's only one of many that you can get. Obviously, there's doctors who have written really good stuff as well. Um, and I think we still have a few in the bookshop as well. But what, what we can see is that it's not just a, a little pocket anymore. It's actually a large awareness that actually if we are to carry things generationally, we actually have to be fit enough to be able to carry it. And if we are going to run in the spirit and be strong and powerful, then we need to be able to be healthy enough to steward an outpouring. If you think back to the two years before Azusa Street was the great Welsh revival, Evan Roberts, a young man, 100,000 people saved roughly in one year in a city roughly the size of Onkaparinga, our council area. So we can really relate with this. Imagine, imagine that. And... Um, and so it's very, very significant, very significant what God can do very, very quickly. But in literally a, a couple of years, he hit burnout, if you like. I'm putting my own words on it. But he went underground. I mean, he was confused. He was tired. And his body couldn't handle what the Spirit was releasing. And so if only there were apostolic leadership and family around him to be able to say, hey, dude, come on, let's take a break here. You've got a gift of God on your life. You've got a prophetic fire. But why not let it burn for decades rather than for months? Imagine what would have happened if that apostolic encouragement and framework had been standing with him then. I mean, we might, we might still be talking about it daily, the incredible momentum all across the world. Now, it, God used it, and he always will. But how can, we inc how can we release even more and steward what God wants to do in us for a lineage, not just for a little bit of time? And so that's why I think it's important that God is awakening this whole concept of spirit, soul, and body, and there's different... Uh, there's a different trinity words that people will use. You know, in, this, in the secular world, they'll, they'll focus mainly on your mind, body, and spirit. But look, it's the same type of thing. And so I want to start this whole deal in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I've, got, I've broken the cardinal rule of preaching today. I've got way too many scripture references. And so um, I'm just going to have to sort of shotgun them today and you write them down if you don't sort of been able to look them up. But 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, 
Now listen to this. This is a description of holy as in whole person. And it says, And I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here he's, he's describing the whole person, spirit, soul, and body. And so it would be quite silly of us to say, you know, we're, we're just to worry about the spirit man, woman. We're just to worry about that's, that sense of the person. As long as that's okay, we can just burn the candle at both ends and go for everything God's got. We can do this. We can do that. Because sooner or later, the other two parts of us are going to say, hang on, I'm tired. I need a break. Can you give me nutrition as well? The spirit's had nutrition for a long time, but the body and the soul need a little bit of nutrition. And one thing I've learned about myself, and I think it's true of most humans, is that we need all three working in unity. All three working in unity. It's funny that God made us a trinity just like himself, isn't it? Now, I'm not setting up some new theological issue here. But if you have a think about it, we are three persons. And I don't mean triple polar you know, type arrangement. What I mean is that we are actually, and if we're conscious of this and we think about this and we steward the three dimensions of who we are, then we become very wise believers and we can actually steward the kingdom of God bigger and better through this little thing that he's given us. The body's only just a framework to contain the spirit. The spirit is the thing that's going to go on. And we're talking, sung that song about the resurrection. Isn't it a powerful song? Awesome song. You know, it's, it's awesome just singing out, declaring truths of the gospel. And one day we will be resurrected. We will die, but we will be resurrected and given a new body. I mean, it's dramatic thinking like this. But when we're really aware of spirit, soul, and body, I believe that's when we can educate ourselves and we can become even more powerful. We can become more rested. We can become more balanced and more effective. Luke chapter 10, 27 says, and he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and with all your mind. Again, it's a reference to the fact that we are to love God with every part of who we are, with our body, soul, and our spirit. Now, one might say, well, what's the soul? Most of us will know the, the, the soul part of us as our mind, our will, and our emotions or our understanding our will and our emotions. And I think, you know, that's quite universally understood to be a fair description of one's soul. And so when we look at that, we can see that actually our mind, our will and emotions, even though we have free will, we have free choice, we need to apply the same rules or the same lifestyle conditioning and cleansing and purifying that we would to our body, we need to apply that to our soul. And this is why I think it's important that we have communion like we did this morning. I find communion is a good washing in the blood. I don't know about you, but for different people, they get different um, things out of communion. But it's, there's nothing like being refreshed in forgiveness. Now that is a really, really good washing of spirit, soul and body. That's what I think communion is. It's, it's a washing of all three. But ultimately, because we, our will sits in our soul, we have a free will. We can sin if we want to. We can think, think wrong things. We can say wrong things. We can operate in whatever realm we want to. That's the free will that God has created humanity to have. So our soul is very important that we often put the soul 
in the searchlight of the kingdom of God and say, how is my soul doing? Is my soul well? Is my will going well? My free will, my choices, my understanding, my thinking, my thought life. And this sort of realm is really interesting because, um, you know, there's sort of a, a conflict, if you like, in, in church Uh, How much do we focus on the soul and really work on cleaning up the soul? And how much do we appropriate the blood of Christ and just believe it's done? And so I think there's a healthy balance right in the middle there. We've, We've got to appropriate the work of Jesus to every area of our life. And when we appropriate that to our thoughts, it might mean forgiveness. It might mean doing away with judgments. When we appropriate it to how we eat, it might mean eating differently. And so for us, I remember watching maybe... 10 or 15 years ago, watching some Christians on TV or even non-Christians, you know, you, you see these super healthy people on TV, like on the ninja adverts and stuff, and they're looking amazing. Their skin is just like got LED lights beaming out of it. It's so clean. And, and they're looking, you know, phenomenal. They look phenomenal. And, um, and so you just look at that, and, and, and all you have to do is have one ninja juice a morning to get, to get that, you know. Well, we've all tried it. It takes a little bit more than that. Now, I don't know whoever's gone out and had a fad, bought a ninja thing. And bless ninjas, we've got one, right? But, um, but it takes a little bit more than just having one of those each morning. And so this is, I remember 10 or 15 years ago thinking like this, thinking, I mean, seriously, I just don't think I've got the discipline to really live like that and eat like that and do all that stuff, you know, because, um, and then over time, especially over the last five or 10 years, um, you know, we, we've headed down that track more and more. And obviously going to Germany, we've had a real awakening in the area of body, health, nutrition, wellness, and learning that, wow, we can actually be a better spirit being if we're a better physical being. We can be a more effective person in our prayer life if we actually have nutrition in our body. We can actually be a more peaceful person and not react out of that same angst and anxiety if we're actually looking after ourselves physically. If we're exercising, let go of the tension on the jogging track. That's what I do. You know, and, and so therefore, we actually find that our spirit, soul, and body work in unity together to, to help us be more powerful believers. And then when we talk, you know, we might talk about Jesus and people are going, well, hey, actually, you're full of energy. You're, you're glowing. You look really healthy and, and vibrant. There's something, there's some, some truth that you have. And it's not just a spiritual truth. It's a truth to help us spirit, soul, and body. And this is why, um, you know, that one in um, Thessalonians, but Luke chapter 10. And here, here's another one for you. 3 John 1, 2. Really easy to remember. 3 John 1, 2. And it's, this is the amplified version. Beloved, I pray that in every way you may succeed and prosper and be in good health physically, just as I know your soul prospers. Here we go. It's another joining of the dots between soul and body. We can see here that in this letter, he's almost imploring them to prosper in your soul, prosper in your thinking, in, your, in, in how you act, in your will, in your choices, but also prosper in good health. Drink the right things, eat the right things, and live the right way because we all know that when we're doing that, we feel better, we feel clearer, we feel stronger, we're more effective, and it doesn't just stop at the natural 
it affects everything. It'll affect how we, how we relate at work. It'll affect our study. It'll affect our relationships. It affects everything. Because this temple thing is a vessel which the Spirit flows through. So when our temple is clean, when our temple is powerful, when our temple is strong and full of goodness and nutrition, the Spirit flows through that vessel clearer. And it's exactly the same with the soul. The soul is is like a filter system. If our soul isn't doing well, if our thinking isn't good, and if our decisions are not good, and if, you know, I've talked even the last couple of weeks, if, if there's negativity, if there's toxicity in our soul, in the way we react to people and the way we speak, then our spirit flows through that. So even that gift gets tainted with the soulishness. And this is the issue with, um, even with the prophetic ministry, we've got to be careful that we don't stretch forth and try and stretch way advanced in the prophetic gift or maybe in the miraculous gift or maybe even in the, the other gifts that we might have, the gifts of administration and helps because these are all supernatural gifts that God gives us. Read 1 Corinthians, it tells us that. And so when those gifts, if they are pushed forward but the soul is still tainted with negativity and rejection and, and authority issues and whatever it might be, then the the gift is going to be tainted, what I call a soulish gift. And and you, you can see it all over the place. And so therefore, the gift is diminished. The gift is still there. It's still in operation, but it's tainted by soulishness. And therefore, the gift gets really watered down, and normally it's not effective in the kingdom because of that soulishness. I mean, most of you, if we lined you up today and we had a prophet come in this room, and they had a real, real amazing gift of prophecy, but you knew their soul was not well, as in there was some real stuff going on, maybe negativity, maybe they had real issues to deal with in their life, you would not want them prophesying over you. Because it doesn't matter what they say to you, it's coming from a soulish avenue. And this is why um, taking things to a whole new level in maturity in the kingdom of God, not on milk anymore, but on meat. I mean good meat, right? Organic meat. <laughs> but, um, but getting on to really you know, the heavy duty things of the kingdom is to get way beyond soulishness. Way beyond soulishness. And so when, when you can see someone operating maybe in a soulish way, but they're trying to perhaps promote the gift, then it's, we've got to love them and care for them, but we don't take that on. We don't take that on. We don't just get swept by every wind of person who sets up a website and a ministry and writes a book. Because this is dangerous Christianity. It's not balanced. We want to look at people and we, I mean, you would judge them by their fruit. Judge them by their fruit. So people are naturally going to look at our zucchinis and say, is it good or is it not good? I need to maybe give that a context. (laughs) Move on, move on. But people are naturally going to look at us and say, is it good fruit coming out of them? I can see they're a believer, but man, there's negativity on them. I don't want a piece of that. If that's what Christianity is about, I just don't want anything of that. I watched something really interesting in the last day or so. I watched Carl Litz, I think his name is, the pastor of Hillsong Church, New York. And he was on secular radio in New York City with... um, you know, two or three of the, the main secular um, radio hosts, and this is beaming out, millions of people are listening to this, and they're firing things at him, like about homosexuality, they're firing things at him about the church and money and private jets and all this sort of stuff. I was so impressed with his answers. 
I mean, he's a good-looking dude, so he's, you know, he's easy to sort of, hey, he is one serious, you know, he could be a movie star himself, but he's getting so much influence right now. But I was impressed with his integrity of his answers. There was good fruit in what he was saying. It wasn't just flashiness. It wasn't just come and everyone has to be part of this. There was real integrity in what he was saying. And so I was judging him by his fruit and listening to that and thinking, wow, he's got some real good gems that most of Christianity, even though we want influence, we probably never have the influence that this dude's got. And so we need people like that who are wise, who are slick, who can have relationships with Beyonce and, you know, who else? Bieber and people like that. I mean, do you know what I mean? We need that. Is everyone with me this morning? All right. You're just listening so intently. It's awesome. But... Can you, can you grasp what I'm trying to say here? When we, when we are really at our best, our trinity, <laughs> not, not a godly trinity, not a theology, but our trinity is in unison and it's powerful. It's really powerful. Most of us are really good at two. Most of us are really good at two of these things. Maybe we're really healthy, we're fit, you know, we're really lively, and maybe we're really good prayers and everything like that. But if our soul isn't healed up from rejection, if, if we can't operate rightly in the areas of our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions, unfortunately, the cord can be broken easily. And let me prove that with Scripture. Ecclesiastes 4.12. And if anyone... If one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. And if we relate this to ourselves, spirit, soul, and body, if all three are in balance and strong and powerful and we're looking after ourselves and we're making sure our for- the forgiveness of our heart is a daily thing or a weekly thing or monthly or communion or whatever we do, and we make sure we've got a strong mind and spirit in the word of God and truth coming into our truth coming into our being as often as we possibly can, not operating out of anything in the shadows, not operating out of anything wrong in that sense, then three chords is so powerful, so powerful. Maybe it is that some of those who get significant, significant influence, maybe there's a key that actually they've worked on three chords. Now, it's probably not always the case, but if... if if we can look back even in revival movements or even in ministry movements, I think of Jack Coe who was healing revivals 1950. Phenomenal, phenomenal miracles. I mean, this guy, you, 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 you can actually YouTube him and you can see some of the very dramatic things. A.A. Allen was another one, same time, same, same sort of thing. Both of these guys, meetings after meetings after meetings, thousands upon thousands of crippled people, healed people with goiteas dropping off in front of crowds. I think Jack Coe had the biggest tent ministry of anyone in his day. So I'm talking really significant. I mean, of today's equivalent, you're talking a major significant ministry with global influence. And yet, after a number of years of doing this, of beating his body up, but his spirit going for it, his body couldn't last. He died very, very young. And he wasn't particularly fit. He was quite overweight. And you can read about that. That's not my opinion. And A.A. Allen, well, you know, it, there's jury still out what happened with him in his later years. But, but you know, he, he faded out. I mean, this is what happens when we're not aware of keeping our three persons in balance with one another. 
we were surprised when we went to Germany, and um, Karen is really good at this. She just lives this dramatically now, uh, uh, the, how much they talked about peace. And I would have said I was a peaceful person before going there, but one thing about going there is um, you realise that everyone's operating in a different, at a different time zone, a different way. There's no pressure. No one's putting pressure on anyone else. Um, there's, they're not operating under pressure. You know, they've got, maybe the cleaners have got rooms to clean, but there's not this dramatic weight of, okay, I've got to show everyone I'm stressed right now, and I'm going to tell you I've got 10 rooms to do before 10 a.m. Do you know what I mean? I'm going to put my pressure on you to make me feel better. That's a soul that is unhealed. That's a soul that needs something from other people. So I'm going to put emotional stuff on you, hopefully so I get lifted up. That is not a healthy soul. A healthy soul is, hey, I'll take it to Jesus. And of course, there's a right way to operate. If there's a management issue, there'll be a right meeting to take it up on, but not put it on other people. That's an immature soul. Now, it might be a very advanced prophetic gift that operates or something else, but it's of no use. It's of no use. Now, that might sound like an extreme statement, but Paul actually backs it up in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He espouses all these incredible supernatural gifts that we can operate in. The prophetic and tongues and interpretation of tongues and miracles and everything else. But all of it, what does he call it? A resounding gong if we don't operate in love. If we do not operate in love even with ourselves, then we will be like a resounding gong. If we don't love our bodies, if we don't look at ourselves and love all three persons that we are made up to be, even though just for this short time on earth, we need to love ourselves so that the other gifts won't be a resounding gong. We won't be a resounding gong when we're talking about things and living out life and maybe pursuing the kingdom because we will operate in love first for ourselves. It might seem like a selfish thing, but um, pastoring, you quickly learn that a lot of people's problems is not other people. It's they don't even love themselves. They've never learned to love themselves. They've never learned that they are valuable that they are powerful, that they are called and anointed and gifted and have incredible things beyond in their life yet to be seen. But that love falls short. There's a deficit of love in themselves. So therefore, the spirit, soul and body love becomes a very, very challenging thing. And so, um, but let me keep moving on. Um, Psalm 51, speaking of the spirit man for a moment, Psalm 51 verse 10 says, um, this David crying out to the Lord. He says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And we can see here he had sinned terribly and he's crying out to the Lord. And this is where if we keep this posture all the time, and I try and keep this posture every day if I can. I actually pretty much pray this prayer, the same prayer every single day. Lord, create in me a clean heart. As in, make sure my soul is clean, I've forgiven, I've operating rightly, my thought life is taken captive into the gospel of righteousness and peace. And whatever situations are going on, make them subject to the name of Jesus so that fear doesn't step in. And then renew a right spirit within. Maybe something has just agitated your spirit. Now, this happens to all of us. It might be a bad piece of news. It might be something someone says to you. They might not even know that it's, it's got you, but it got you somehow. 
and, or it could be something you see on the news. It could be something that happens in school or work or university or with your families or any area of life. It's very easy for the enemy to jolt your spirit. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but that's just the way I would put it. Just jolt your spirit. Um, he, can't, he can't take your spirit, but he can try and jolt it. And especially the area of sin. This is where for David, sin had corrupted him. And so his spirit didn't feel clean. So his Lord... Renew a right spirit in me. Get me right with the cross. Get me right with the blood. Get me right with you, my Father. Make sure that I'm balanced and I'm standing true, that nothing is off kilter so that I have a right spirit with you. You know, isn't that a powerful statement? God, give me a right spirit. Think about that this week when you're praying. We might want to pray over this, Psalm 51.10. Lord, Creating me a clean heart. Make my soul so clean, my thought life, my understanding, my decisions, my emotions. Sometimes it's easy and different people, different personalities have, have you know, it's, it's funny. I could really step on all sorts of things this morning with emotions. But this is what I will say. Um, sometimes it's a, a blessing not being a really highly emotive person. Sometimes it's not a blessing. And so it's neither good nor bad. But what I will say is we're not to be ruled by our emotions. So if, if there's that jolting experience, someone says something to you and there's that jolting of your spirit or of your person, and then you fire back with your emotions, nine times out of ten, it's not going to be the one that you actually wanted to act out of. It's not going to get the response you wanted. You got it off your chest and maybe you felt better for literally 30 seconds and then... Oh my gosh, what did I say? What did I do? Man, did I throw that plate? I mean, seriously, it's, it's, it can be really full on. But this is the part about getting all three in balance so that we can act with a right spirit. Now, I've been practicing this for 40 years. <laughs> um, and one thing I've learned is the more you're pushed... We, we used to have a really funny experience that we still laugh about sometimes. Um, when we had foster kids, some of you will remember we had, uh, did we have all three? We had two of ours plus two foster kids. Um, and so Karen had four under three or four all at the same time. We were crazy. It was, it was an emotional decision. <laughs> but anyway, we had this funny situation where their two-year-old was a little bit younger than Tali or the same age as Tal. Same age as Tal. Karen could probably tell the story better. But anyway, um, and so uh, he, Joey was his name as a little boy and Natalia, a little girl, about the same age. And Joey was quite strong and, you know, he'd been in a lot of homes and so he was really sure of himself. But what he didn't know is Natalia was actually very sure of herself as well. And so, you know, sometimes he'd come up and sort of try and, and she'd just push him like that on the chest. You know, like a, was it Seinfeld? Where, you know, she used to, do, uh, anyway, most of you don't enjoy Seinfeld. But anyway. Elaine, Elaine, yeah, that's true. Anyway, um, so Natalia used to do that, but it's interesting that um, when we've been pushed like that numerous times, and I know for me in business, I would get pushed in quite a big and prominent way. I remember, um, oh, all right, Jesus help me be politically correct here. Uh, <laughs> um, a, group of, uh, a group of work people, um, gathered out the front, had a little rally against our factory. I, Lord knows why, we were perfect. But um, 
I remember looking out my office window, looking down at them, and, you know, they have, they're gathering people and, you know, little flags and things going on. And I'm looking down thinking, Lord, what is the reaction I'm meant to give to these guys right now? And normally it would be quite aggressive and, and quite, you know, in your face, you know, the boss face-to-face with these guys. And I, anyway, so I, I thought, no, I'm just going to go down and surprise them. For, for starters, most people never thought I was uh, their boss anyway because I looked like the junior. And so I just floated out there one day and, and went out there and just shook hands with the guys. And, you know, they're like, oh, you know, you know better conditions and rah, rah, rah. I'm like, wow, okay, you know. And so I'm just chatting away to them and talking away to them. And lo and behold, one of the other guys says, hey, you know, he's the boss. And, um, and they're like, oh, okay. But, but it just broke everything down because I was actually a normal person for a while. And they weren't operating out of that emotion and that fear. They were operating out of a right spirit toward me. And so was I. So actually, we actually had no big deal, no dramas. They realized I was a human being. I think I went into the office, sat and chat with them. Everything was worked out. And it was actually a really, really good outcome. But if I went out with my emotions, ah, get off my premises, rah, 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 you know, we'll call the cops, all this. See, I put on business voice. See, it's not a trinity, it's a... It's a full person now. But anyway, it never ends, okay? There's always additions. But, but can you see what I mean? Op, you know, and I was pushed like that regularly on a prominent scale. When you're pushed and pushed and pushed enough and you learn to not operate out of emotion, uh, it was one of the Greek philosophers, you know, has the, has the saying that emotion is the enemy of reason. And now I don't go along with that fully because the Lord uses our emotions as well. But it sometimes can be the enemy of reason. And so sometimes we have to take a stand back and say, okay, I'm going to contain myself here. I'm not going to let my emotions run the day. I'm going to say, okay, Lord, I want a right spirit. I want a right body. I want effective words, and I'm going to operate in the kingdom. And it's always a better outcome. Always a better outcome. Um, Let's talk about the soul for a minute. Psalm 78, 72 is a verse I've quoted numerous times in the last few months. Um, and it says, And David shepherded them with integrity of heart, with skillful hands he led them. See, here it's talking about we need to have integrity in our heart, in our soul, if you like, and then skillfulness of hands will be recognized. And so the two go together. If we want to be prominent, if we want prosperity, if we want abundance, if we want prominence, if we want promotion, if we want even the Lord to push us out to to enlarge our territory, often many of us pray that, Lord, enlarge my territory. And so what we're really praying is maybe give me more money or give me, uh, you know, some breakthrough in ministry or give me something, make me the boss or whatever it might be. But often we don't recognize to enlarge our territory has to enlarge all three parts of us. He doesn't just enlarge our bank balance. Because I've learned to adjust my bank balance higher, he's needed to adjust my character higher. And he's needed to adjust my humility higher. And he's needed to adjust my ability to resist offense higher. And rejection higher. And to be able to listen to him and humble myself and follow in obedience. Then he's increased the prominence of my bank balance. And so this is definitely something we've learned that it's a dangerous prayer to pray the prayer of Jabez. (laughs) 
Look it up if you don't know the prayer of Jabez. Lord, bless me. Keep me from harm. I mean, isn't it an awesome prayer? Don't let anything wrong happen to me. Bless me and enlarge my territory. It's almost the dream prayer. (laughs) What doesn't happen is we don't read the footnotes and say, go to Job 41 back to 1 and read what happens when you want that. Do you know what I mean? It's like scripture links. You remember that? Scripture always backs up scripture. If you've ever got some curly scripture as your one that you just quote, like eye for an eye or something crazy, you know, make sure you back it up with scripture. There's always something to give it balance, to give it stability. Do you know what I mean by that? Anyway, that's like a random thing. So still in the, in the soul, Proverbs 13.4 says, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. This is talking about our work ethic. It may seem like a very practical thing, but I'm telling you, as a, a, a person who used to employ 500 people, what am I going to hire? A strong, faithful believer who's a sluggard? Or a non-Christian who works his guts out? You hire the non-Christian any day of the week. So who's going to be more effective for their beliefs, for their belief system? The Christian who's a sluggard who may have spent a lot of time praying that morning, but he doesn't know how to work and he's not witnessing to the kingdom of God in his tent ministry, if you like. Do you know what I mean by this? And I've seen this over and over again. We must learn to apply the kingdom to every area of our life if we really want the kingdom to operate. Because people will not just believe the fruit that comes out of our mouth, but they watch us. And they listen. And they see what our hands do. And they see what we put on Facebook. (laughs) And they see who we are. I'm on Facebook now, so I'm in that world, right? I'm relevant, you know. But they, they see who we are. They, they see this sort of stuff and they, we even give off an aroma. And, you know, I don't mean that in a weird way, but we give off a, an aroma. Isn't it an aroma of the kingdom? Is it something that people want to be around? Is our atmosphere one that carries peace? And the, again, this is something that we've learned and, you know, it's, it's something that we have learned to be true, that we have to operate in peace with health, our bodies. We have to operate with peace in our spirit and peace in our soul. Let's go on to body for a minute just to wrap this thing up. 1 Corinthians 6.19. 1 Corinthians 6.19 and 20. And it says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Now this is powerful. This is saying that the body that you have sitting in that chair isn't even yours. He purchased your body. He purchased it. Why did he purchase it? He purchased it so he could release Holy Spirit to come and be embodied in humanity. It's a powerful thought, isn't it? But we're not zombies on the earth with, with you know, nothing in, inside. We are human carriers of God. Human carriers of God. Because he made us spirit, soul, and body. We are able to contain his spirit which is God made spirit. It is still God. Equal, three persons, all equal God, Holy Spirit, is released on the day of Pentecost to humanity. And then we become containers of God, vessels of God, or here it says temples of God. But it's our body, so it's not ours. 
Now, I've heard the argument that tattoos, we shouldn't put tattoos on because it's the temple, and you can go all day on that one. I'm, 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 I quite like some of Rocky's tattoos. I think he looks awesome, but um, th- I don't think it's talking about that. I think it's talking about this thing, our body, this vessel. Do we steward it well? Do we fill it with nutrition and goodness? Do our, are our minds clear? Or if our minds aren't clear because, you know, it's been Macca's 12 nights in a row, then our prayer life's not going to be good. Our agitation levels are going to be higher. Our high blood pressure will probably be an issue as well, and our livers will hate us. But, you know, when we look at our, the temple that we are, when we steward that well, and I'm not saying you have to go extreme and latest fad diet. What I'm saying is having balance, having balance, having right nutrition, having goodness flowing in and all this stuff. That's why we did a wellness seminar with Irene is to teach us how to live rightly in the body. Because when we live right with our body, we generally have peace with our body. And then we can testify to the kingdom of God even in our body. 1 Corinthians 3, 16, 17 says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. You are a holy physical being. You're a holy spiritual being, but you're a holy physical being. It's interesting, isn't it? That's the Word of God. I want to read um, the summary from Ecclesiastes 4.12 to summarize our three persons again because it's what I started with. Ecclesiastes 4.12. And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him, a cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. When we have our spirit, soul, and body in unity, in balance, in peace, in wholeness, in wellness, in truth, in righteousness, and we know we're living honorably in each area of our lives, we can be such a powerful testifier of the kingdom of God. Because all three areas are so powerful, so powerful when they're unified. Then we don't have disunity even among ourselves. We might be amazing you know, in health, but, but our soul is way off. That will be easily broken. But three, in unity and in peace, is so powerful. So powerful. Albert Einstein, the great mind of last, uh, whenever he was alive, last 100, 150 years, he says, great spirits have always encountered violent oppression from mediocre minds. And this summarizes it. Us as believers, we want to be those who are able to resist and have strong spirit, soul, and body so that we can speak truth and it will bypass those with mediocre minds. It will bypass negativity. It will bypass uh, opposition. It will bypass the voice of fear in community. I want to say something um, which is really random, but just so you know, Um, Robert Brokenshire, who heads up Family First Party here, I just heard this week, he actually shared, I think you can get a script of what he shared in Parliament in the last week or two. He mentioned the testimony of Southern Vales and Harvest Australia Church. So you may have listened to it. Yeah. Now, that wasn't because I've sat with Robert, bought him 10 nice lattes and said, hey, you know, this is what we're doing. I'm telling you, he ate of our fruit last night term he ate of the fruit of what's happening he came to some of the services the end of school services he was blown away he was blown away by the testimony of the year 12s and and just the spirit that's on our college and what god's doing and he shared that in parliament it's the fruit that gets the voice isn't it 
Awesome. Thank you, God. Let's stand. I'm boiling up here. (laughs) But it's like a sauna, so it's healthy. I want the worship team just to come up. And Lord, we thank you today that your word is so sharp. It's so sharp. And we allow that to go in today. Lord, we pray that you'd give us wisdom to know how to rightly, honorably, righteously, and with boldness and prosperity stand bigger and better and stronger in these three areas of our life, spirit, soul, and body. So that, Lord, we will testify to your kingdom in such an incredible way. And, Lord, we pray that you would help us as one big family to stand like three incredible cords that cannot be broken, that cannot be broken. Just take a minute just to maybe let go of anything. It may be thoughts, it may be desires, it may be sin, it may be something that's distracted you. Take a minute just to give that to Jesus this morning. Let it go. Let it go. Ask for forgiveness. Get clean. Get right. It may be in the area of health. There may be some things you need to be doing. Maybe some, some, some actions you can be taking or whatever it might be. Then, then maybe start just making a mental note of those things. Or maybe it's in the spirit. Maybe it's spending time in the word of God. Maybe it's just uh, reasserting some truths over your life to bring bring about this strength in three persons and um and and i think that this is a powerful opportunity we're going to sing a song in a minute but i just want to give us a minute to do that right now take this opportunity lord we ask that you would fill us with your truth right now right now that any area lord any area where we could see more of you, where we could allow you to wash us, cleanse us, renew us, strengthen us. Jesus, we give you that right now. We give you that time. We appropriate the blood of Jesus Christ to each area of our life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We ask that you would prosper us. We ask that you'd enlarge, enlarge the territory, Lord. We ask that you would release an abundance. We ask that you'd release rain from heaven. Wisdom, wisdom, wisdom and power. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I want us just to sing this song. It's a declaration. It's a powerful declaration. Let's sing this together. If you want to come forward and receive prayer this morning, you can do that now. And we'll just pray over you for a few minutes. But let's sing this song. Let's sing it with boldness and lift it up as a declaration.